Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is the Robert Ludberg Show coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Want to see your loan options, adjust payments, and closing costs online in real time? Rocket can um, you know, I, I told you I'd tell you why baseball's unwritten rules remain unwritten. The real reason is because if you wrote them out, you just see how stupid they are. And Tony La Russa sided with baseball's unwritten rules over his own player. We're going to get to that a, a little bit later in the show. I mean, the idea that throwing a baseball at someone is the proper response to them doing something fun at the plate or hitting a home run is insanity. And the fact that a manager would support that over his own player, even if he didn't like what his own player did, is also um, wild. <laughs> but but we, we will get to that. Something else that is running wild is Tebow mania, and a lot of you want to discuss that still. Let's go to Dr. Grant in Texas. Dr. Grant, you're up with Robin Lundberg here on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, I appreciate you taking my call. Um, I'm a professional psychologist, have been for the last 40 years. Uh, I've been following college football and professional football for over 50 years. The first person that I threw a pass to was when I was five years old. The gentleman's name was Johnny Unitas when I lived in Baltimore. So I know a little bit about football, and I know a lot about psychology. It isn't Tebow that has made him polarizing. It's people not doing their homework, okay? If you go back into the statistics, you will find that Tim Tebow, while at the University of Florida, had better statistics in every category you can name than people like Trevor Lawrence, people like Tom Brady, people like Aaron Rodgers, you can go through the list of everybody that's played football in the NFL, and Tebow's records in college were better than every one of those people. That's a fact, okay? Most people don't know that, okay? The second reason 
<clears throat> that wait, wait, hold on. Her- Before you get to your second reason, what does that have to do with where he is now? Because, I mean, I, I understand. I, I think, I mean, it's, it's clear. You could make the argument Tim Tebow is the greatest college player of all time. But right. that doesn't necessarily – we see plenty of people that are great in college that doesn't necessarily translate to the pros. Okay. You're, you're not <laughs> – you're not letting the story play out, those which you're not doing. You've only seen part of the story after college. I'm trying to build a case for you so you understand why there's this tremendous division of people not understanding Tim Tebow. Okay, that's okay, what I'm ahead. trying to give you. Okay. So, so first of all, the most prolific college player that's ever been. Okay. So – Statistically, I like statistics because you can fall back on them in every situation. The second reason that Urban Meyer has brought him into the team has nothing to do with his prior relationship or you used a word which I don't even like, nepotism. It has nothing to do with nepotism, okay? He's not going to use Tim Tebow as a split end or a tight end or, or any of those things. He's going to use Tim Tebow in three different ways on the team, okay? And he's the best person in the world for this. The first thing he's going to use him for is a mentor for Trevor Lawrence. What Trevor Lawrence is about to go through, Tim Tebow went through, okay? And they're only about nine or ten years difference in age. So they can relate to each other. And Trevor Lawrence is going to have a great coach, to fall back on in Urban Meyer, but he's even going to have a better coach to fall back on in Tim Tebow, okay? The second reason Urban Meyer brought him in, and again, he's not going to be used as a tight end, okay? He's going to be used as two quarterbacks in the backfield at times at Jacksonville. How many NFL teams have two quarterbacks in their backfield. It makes the concept of the flea flicker, which has been one of the most successful plays in football, expands it to almost eight times from what I can gather, because you've got a quarterback to quarterback pass. You've got a quarterback to running back pass. You've got a quarterback to split end the pass. You've got a quarterback to quarterback run. You've got so many very, uh, you know, Urban Meyer's down there right now in Jacksonville coming up with more damn plays that he can run that will scare the hell out of every defense in the NFL because they've never seen anything like this before. They've never seen anything like Taysom Hill? I mean, Taysom Hill, you know, is faster than Tim Tebow and and has been playing that role under Sean Payton one of the best offensive minds in NFL history at the coaching position. Uh, you know, um, I, I, to be honest, you sound like a Tebow fan. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, but it didn't sound like a, a psychological, um, uh, you know, uh, analysis. It sounded like you were a Tebow fan. <laughs> and, and do I believe some of that has validity that his presence in the locker room is valued? Sure. Um, that he, um, in, in a best-case scenario, could be used in inventive ways? Sure. But do I, I think the connection with Urban Meyer is a huge reason he's there? Yeah. 
And Urban Meyer has not proven himself in the NFL, by the way. We, we have no idea if Urban Meyer is a good NFL coach. I think, you know, what, what you did uh, illuminate even further to me, though, is the college uh, appeal. You know, th- these two things, when, when you're talking about college football, college football and Christianity together, right? Like, w- where is college football big? Where is Christianity biggest? Those things overlap, you know, and I, I understand these things go beyond just the, these certain regions. But where are they most passionate? Where are they, they, they most dense in their, their passion? Those things overlap. So I think that's like a perfect storm of, of this like super fandom that has been created um, for Tim Tebow. Con Hackett uh, just tweets in that the dude was a, a, a South Park character that was just called up. Um, yeah, that was uh, a, a lot of talking for, for basically, I, I really like Tim Tebow's, it sounds like. They're just going to have an offense they've never seen before. I mean, what has Taysom Hill been doing? I mean, what is the Wildcat <laughs> that, that has been run? Uh, who was Cordell Stewart, you know? Uh, Reynolds in Louisiana. Reynolds, you're up next here on CBS Sports Radio. <laughs> Hey, how's it going? What's up? Uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm I'm in the right place with, with you with, with this guy, but you know Tim Tebow. Um, I'll tell you exactly why he's so polarizing, and I don't think it has. I think it has little to do with football. Um, I I like him as a person. I like him as as a leader. I don't like him as a football player. Never have. But mm-hmm. great person. And when you talk about Christianity, I'm a Christian. The reason why he's so polarizing is that, you know, in the Christian world, he speaks a lot. He motivates kids. Uh, he, he, he's, he's a good guy. But on the flip side, people want him to fail. They think he's too good to be true. He's too good. He two shoes. You know, there's got to be something wrong with this dude. There's got to be. The shoe will fall. That's, that's why on the flip side, they don't like him because he's too good to be true. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's in general for Christianity. People think that people, you know, who are Christians are mentally ill, you know, when we're just, you know, displaying our faith and trying to walk a good walk. But they're waiting for him to fail. And I think that's, that's exactly why he's so polarizing. You know, I, I, I think there may be some of the, something to that, but I, I do believe the support, uh, is much greater due to the Christian aspect than the the um, oh yeah the, the backlash because I I my leading theory as to why the people are uh, against him is is the overexposure I really do think it's people believe he's talked about love too much out of proportion to what he's accomplished um at, at least since college right and they don't understand why you know we're we're talking about him, why we're spending yeah. so much energy on this guy who yeah. hasn't done anything. And, and and then he's still here. He's still around. And and I think you see that at various levels when, when things are, are, are constantly in people's faces. They almost have an, an irrational response because it's not Tebow, right? Like, it's not really Tebow you're mad at. It's more TV you're mad at <laughs> right? yeah. than, than, and, than Tebow. And, and don't get me wrong. I would love for him to prove everyone wrong and have a couple of great years as a tight end. I, you know, I would love him to do it. Um and just to prove everybody wrong. But, you know, it's going to be totally up to him. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and I don't know how much that's actually, and thanks for the call, the, the goal here versus uh, 
you know, giving him a shot, ticket sales, jersey sales, and, 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 and whatnot. How about Ben in Dallas? Ben, you're up next here with Robin Lundberg on CBS Sports Radio. What's going on, Ben? Hey, man, what's going on, man? Thanks for taking my call, man. Um, first and foremost, man, um, <laughs> it's not like Tebow is an exceptional athlete at this point in his life. You know what I mean? He's 33 years old. You know what I mean? So it's not like he's running a 4-5. You know, it's not like he's 6-6. Six, six. No, 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 it's not like he has an amazing catch radius. This dude played quarterback, and he probably ran, what, a 4-8? You know what I mean? 4-7, 4-7. Four, four, yeah. Okay, yeah, so 4-7, four, 4-8. Four, so that's number one. Number two, I actually worked at ESPN during Tebow Manny during his rookie, his rookie year in Denver, and I actually had the prop sports center. They devoted yeah. a whole hour to this guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And at the, at the noon hour. And they actually uh-huh. gave him top ten plays for Tebow. And this is before the Pittsburgh game. So they uh-huh. had to, actually had to, you know, scrum up ten top plays of this dude. I say, uh-huh. all that, I say all that to say this, man. Like, this guy should not be in the league at this point in his career. We're the same age. I'm 33 just like him. You know what I mean? I get the ticket sales. I get, you know, Urban Meyer. And I get that he's from the Jacksonville area. I get all that. But. There's no possible way this dude is going to make it past, like, the, the he's not going to make the 53-man roster, period. And that's just not going to happen. So, I just think that with Tebow coming to the league, I feel like it's like a make-a-wish type of thing. You know what I mean? Because, like, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, he leaves Denver, he goes to the, he goes to the Jets, and he goes yeah, to Wingley, then he goes to Philly. The reason I could see him making the team is because of all this, uh, the histrionics and the um, attention around it, and, and just having him around keeps fans engaged, as you can see. Uh, and, you know, it's not like that position would be that valued anyway. So maybe they, they value the roster spot for all of that more than they do what the, the player on the roster could contribute. But I, I think you, you sort of confirm one of my leading theories is the overexposure factor, right? And, and, and I appreciate your uh, insight from your, your time working on SportsCenter. Jack in New Hampshire. Jack, you're up next here on CBS Sports Radio. What's going on, Jack? Yeah, I just wanted to uh... – Wait on Tim Tebow, but before I do, I just can I uh, ask you a trivia question? Uh, sure. Division one college football coaches: Ryan Day, uh, Chip Kelly, and Dan Mullen. What do they all have in common? Uh, Ryan, I, I, I don't know. I wasn't. Uh, what do they all have in common? Just tell me the answer. <laughs> well, they come from the state of New Hampshire. They play okay. quarterback at U uh, in Manchester. Anyway, people think of New Hampshire not. They don't think of college football. So That's I true. I, that you know, I, I don't know what I think of when I think of New Hampshire. <laughs> it's called the Granite State. But anyway, yeah. another uh, when you're speaking of tight ends, Boston College tight end Hunter Long, drafted by the Dolphins, is from New Hampshire as well. So let's get that out of the way. Uh, Tim Tebow, I think he will do pretty good as a tight end because he's built like he's built like a you know a brick blank house. I think he can block. I think he can run the ball pretty good. And, you know, I don't think he's going to play quarterback. They're not using up a roster spot just for, you know, nothing. Um, I think he still has some life left him as a football player. And, um, you know, their coach would know if he did or not. Well, look, we will see, I suppose. I, I, I think um, it is reasonable to be skeptical that he he's going to offer that much on the football side of things but urban meyer has, has shown already he's kind of running that program like it was college i mean look what he did with that strength and conditioning coach until the the blowback came uh you know he, he thought he could just get away w- with that and, and and people wouldn't have the reaction that they did how about wiley in alabama 
You're up next here on CBS Sports Radio. What's going on, guys? How are you, man? Hello? Yeah, what's going on? Yeah. That's it? Yeah? One reason <laughs> and one reason why only Tebow is with Jacksonville. What's that? You take a look at the team that finished last in the NFL last year. They have a young squad over there in Jacksonville. A lot of those guys that are on Jacksonville's roster grew up maybe in high school or middle school watching Tim Tebow win a national championship in college, thinking, hey, I want to be that guy. You know, so you've got a first-year NFL coach coming into a place who has a young team, and undoubtedly the leadership there is is not where it needs to be. So you can get a guy like Tim Tebow who helped Urban Meyer build somewhat of the dynasty that Florida had during those years of Tebow's career at Florida, bring him in, if anything, just as an example of what Urban Meyer expects from his team when out on the football field or even at practice. And then something else to think about. Since all this has happened with Tim Tebow, how much spotlight has been on Trevor Lawrence, your rookie NFL quarterback? So now you're taking a look from uh, yeah, media look, and put uh, it on Tebow. I, I, I get it. Uh, it. I don't know if that's great for Trevor Lawrence or not. I, I, I you know, to be honest with you, I, I understand there is some sort of um, uh, influence aspect to the Tebow thing. Um, but I, I, I just don't know. You know, we don't see that happening with, with anybody else, with, with other teams, right? Like, we just don't see that. So there, or else you'd get motivational speakers, you know, NFL jobs. I, I think – there's clearly, you know, the connection with, with Urban Meyer, and there's clearly the box office that Tim Tebow brings. Um, and, and clearly, Tim Tebow's going to get a reaction one way or the other. It is um, pretty incredible when you think about it, and, and uh, I, I think we've explored it fairly well. The New York Knicks, meanwhile, totally. skirt. The New York Knicks are in the playoffs this year for the first time since. 2013 and there are a lot of Knicks fans excited about it uh the the garden sold out in in a matter of minutes but there is one Knicks fan who the Knicks being in the playoffs probably means more for than anyone and he will join me coming up next it's the Robin Lundberg show here on CBS Sports Radio you're listening to the Robin Lundberg show look there are a lot of Knicks fans out there and the Knicks appearances in the playoffs have not exactly been regular. Uh, I believe 2013 was the the last one, the 54 win team there. And that was the the team that they won a a playoff series against the Celtics before losing to the Pacers. That's the only playoff series the Knicks have won since I graduated from high school. And this Knicks team this year was not expected to make the playoffs. In fact, the gap between what this Knicks team is and what I thought they'd be is greater for any team I can ever recall. So, of course, that has energized the Knicks fan base as they're excited uh, as to what they might be building and for this team in this year's playoffs. Madison Square Garden sold out in a matter of minutes. But amongst all the Knicks fans, I'm not sure that this game and, and the Knicks playing at the Garden means more to any of them 
than it does to my friend who joins us now, Anthony Donahue. And, and Anthony, um, you know, I, I think I want to ask you about the team itself. But first, I, I do want to share your, your story w- with the audience because it, it's, um, you know, the, the context for, for why this, this is so significant. Uh, you've been a, a Knicks fan since I've known you uh, uh, your whole life. I think you've, you've been a season ticket holder for 20 years. Um, and, and tragically, um, you, you recently lost your sister, Gianna, who was a, a big part of your, your, your life, obviously, your, your Knicks fandom. I saw that up close. I saw how close the two of you were. I saw how hard she fought. Um, and she she was, was lost due to brain cancer. I saw how much uh, you were by her, her side. And now, you know, I hate even bringing it up because I know it's so painful, but I've seen you featured on SportsCenter in your return to the Garden. Can, can you just try to, to put into words how much it means to you to be able to go back into the Garden and to see this team play in the playoffs, considering how much the Knicks have been a part of your life? Hey, Robin, first off, thanks so much for having me, and thank you so much for the kind words about myself and about my sister as well that really – means so much and you know sometimes when you're going through something in life sports can do so much for you and you know everybody listening around the country probably has a moment like that whether it's you know the Yankees in 2001 even though they didn't win the World Series they got close and provided so many amazing moments for a city for a country that was you know in disarray and for for me right now man um it's been such a horrible two years it's been almost two years since my sister had her stroke and was diagnosed with a brain cancer that wasn't curable called glioblastoma. I brought my sister to her first Knicks game when she was four years old. Um, when she was, you know, under two years old, she used to point at the TV all the time, every time she saw Alan Houston, and say that was her boy. And then by the time she was five or six, you know, me and my sister and Alan were friends, were good friends. You know, Alan was always in the hospital visiting G the first time she was sick 10 years ago, as well as this time. And going into the season, like you said, we didn't have a lot of expectations for this basketball team. You know, maybe they'll get to a play-in game. You know, maybe they'll play a couple games in the spring that matter. And for this to happen, for me personally, after going through what I've gone through, and if you believe in what you believe, that G's making things happen in heaven, and it's absolutely incredible because G knows there's only one thing that can make me happy. I mean, nothing can make me happy right now. My pain is unbearable, man. It's absolutely unbearable. She was my life. She was my partner in crime. You know, I raised her basically like a single dad. Um, the only thing that could make me happy a little bit, the only thing that could possibly make me smile was the Knicks winning. And not only the Knicks winning, they're in the playoffs. And not only are we in the playoffs, Robin, but we're hosting game one at the Garden. I mean, I mean, it's absolutely incredible. And I can't even tell you how happy I am. And when the season first started, you know, I try not to watch the news too much, but it seemed that if there was one team that wasn't going to get fans, it was probably the New York teams with all the COVID stuff going on. And sure enough, you know, they open up the garden in February, and I haven't missed the home game since. And it's been so great and therapeutic going back to the garden. As I said, I've been bringing her since she was four. People there watched her grow up. You know, if you go to the garden a lot, it's the same people that work there, ushers, security guards, people that work for the team, you know, players, former players. It's, it's a family there, so... It, it, it's absolutely incredible, and I—I'd I, I, say I'm speechless, but I just spoke for three straight minutes. So, you know what I mean, man. It, it's absolutely amazing. 
Yeah, you know, uh, uh, as I, I've told you privately, uh, you know, so so sorry for your loss, and, and obviously, you know, it's hard to go about what you were doing before, but it's also healthy, I think, and it's what you know she would want for, for you. And, and as far as the the Knicks go the, this season, you know, this is not a place that you expected to be at, at this time of year. Now, with that said, I, I think, you know, people have moved the expectations on this team and moved the goalposts in a way that's almost unfair where they start talking about you need to win a playoff <laughs> of course, series. Of course. Like, <laughs> it's, already a, it's already a success in, in my mind, whether they win or lose. But uh, it's a, a dead-even series uh, against the Hawks. Um, I, I think the, the Knicks' defensive identity – um, that's been instilled, obviously, Tom Thibodeau. That's the, the way he goes about things. Uh, the, the improvement from Julius Randle this year, some growth from, from R.J. Barrett. Derek Rose, and you know, I, I saw him say it's not vintage, basically, what he's doing. He, he's reinvented himself later in his career. Do you expect the, the Knicks to win this series? Do you expect to see some wins at, at MSG? I mean, yes. I mean, the Hawks are a very good basketball team. The thing is, I think Knicks fans want to play the Hawks because the bottom line is the Hawks aren't the, the Nets, the Bucks, or um, the Sixers. But I do expect the Knicks to win this series. We did sweep the Hawks three games to nothing in the regular season. Uh, they were all good games. It's going to be a tight match. The Hawks have guys who can shoot the rock. You know, they shoot the three very well. Trey Young is a superstar. They're pretty damn close to it. But I think having home court for the Knicks is going to help them a lot. Um, I, I do expect Julius Randle to be Julius Randle. I expect R.J. Barrett to give us those 18 to 20 points a game. I think Tibbs is going to ride Derrick Rose hardcore. And yes, whatever you want to call it. Whether it's vintage Rose, Mitchell and Ness Derrick Rose. I mean, Derrick Rose has been incredible. But I think the X factor for the New York Knicks in the playoffs is Alex Burks, man. I mean, he takes so much pressure off you know, Derrick Rose, Julius Randle, and R.J. Barrett. And if he is knocking down his shot, I think the Knicks win in five or six games. Whoa! See, I I think I I put the pick the Knicks in, in seven. Now, real quick, Anthony, um, the the whole New York uh, basketball scene. I saw you talking to Kenny Anderson on Twitter just a minute ago. Wh- what are your point thoughts? Guard of all time, my favorite point guard <laughs> of all time, just for the record. What, yeah, what are your thoughts on what's going on between the Knicks and, and the Nets and, and where that that is in the in the current um, sort of zeitgeist? I mean, it's fun. I mean, the Knicks and Nets have always tried to be rivals. You know, obviously, the last 20 years, the Nets have had way more better years than the Knicks started in 2001 when Jason Kidd was over across the Hudson Plains in New Jersey. Um, I, I wouldn't consider it a rivalry like it was like the Knicks Heat, the Knicks Pacers, the Knicks Bulls, you know, even the Knicks Celtics at times. But I think it could be. I think now it's starting to become a little bit of a rivalry. I think we felt it a little bit in the 2012-2013 season on Brooklyn's first year in Brooklyn, the next first year in Brooklyn. But it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I mean, listen, there's not a lot of real diehard Nets fans. I definitely know some that was rocking with them in New Jersey with Kenny in D.C. and Sam Cassell, Jason Williams, Chris Morris, you know, Armand Gilliam, the hammer. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a new team. So if you think about it, to be fair, so, you know, I think maybe some Knicks fans crossed over. I don't think a lot did. I'm sure some did. But it's fun. It, to me, it's all fun. It, you know, it should never be more than fun. If it's more than fun, you know, both sides need help. You know what I'm saying? But it, it's definitely a lot of fun, and maybe we'll see them in the conference finals. Well, that would be a hell of a year for the New York Knicks. Speaking of fun, <laughs> Anthony, I, I, I truly hope that you have fun in, in your return to the Garden for, for playoff action. Enjoy the game, man. Thank you so much, Robin. And real quick, I want to let you know, I, I always appreciate it when we were at my events, 
and UNG talked about your UNG had a lot of the same interests that I didn't. So I always appreciate when you two would chat about the Star Wars stuff and whatever stuff y'all was into. Yeah, Marvel for me is big and, and for sure, man. Uh, and and again, uh, you know, I know she'll always be with you, and, and I know how hard she fought and, and how um, much you 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 stood by her in, in those moments. So I I hope you can uh, you know enjoy um, her memory and and the spirit um, as you walk into the garden this weekend. Anthony Donahue, you can follow him on Twitter at Anthony MSG, the biggest Knicks fan I, I know, the biggest Knicks fan. I, I've ever met, um, and, and I, I think the Knicks fan that the the Knicks being in the playoffs at the Garden again will mean the most for. Well, part of that week's worth of talking points is Tony Larusa and what happened with him and his own player, Yermin Mercedes, uh, who leads the majors in batting average right now. He actually has a good batting average, unlike the rest of the majors. <laughs> <laughs> where the batting average is historically low. Um, it's a topic in and of itself, right? The no-hitters. Have you guys seen how many no-hitters there are this year? And and even got guys like Clayton Kershaw coming out and saying that the the no-hitter has lost its luster. It's not good for baseball for this to happen. Apparently, Don Mattingly just recently said uh, baseball is unwatchable as a result of some of that. And I, I mean, there's so many different factors that, that go into that, right? I mean, guys were throwing really hard. Um, you you have the ball not being juiced, um, and, and you have perhaps the approach at the plate not changing, where it was you know home run or strikeout, feast or famine, and that hasn't changed with the the change in the ball and and, and the other factors. So all that just ha- has led to a historically low batting average. At the the same time, you got some great stories in baseball. I mean, you have what Shohei Otani is doing. I mean, that what Shohei Otani's doing is out of control. I mean, it shows you sometimes that baseball is so regionally successful but not as nationally successful because he, he probably should be talked about more. I saw J.J. Watt tweet that out, and he thinks Shohei Otani is talked about a lot but somehow not enough at the same time. And Otani is, is doing stuff that hasn't been done in 100 years. <laughs> Right, <laughs> leading the majors in home runs. Uh, I think he's second behind Degrom in strikeouts per nine innings. I mean, it's wild what he's doing. But nothing resonates in baseball like one of these unwritten rule controversies. It's always the thing that gets people talking the most. And I don't know if I've ever seen one quite like what happened with Larusa and Mercedes this week. So I mean, basically, Mercedes gets up at the end of the game. Uh, I forget how many runs the White Sox were up, but a lot. A, a position player is pitching for the Twins, and on a, a 3-0 count where he, he's been signaled to take, Mercedes gets a 45-mile-an-hour fastball, right? There, well, fastball, that's that's a, uh, an oxymoron, 45-mile-an-hour fastball. Uh, a 45-mile-an-hour pitch, fat pitch, right across the middle, and instead of taking, takes it yard. Takes it yard. And I guess... That is frowned upon or, you know, against the unwritten rules. And I understand the game is over for all intents and purposes. And some people would think in that time, why are you rubbing it in more? Why are you doing more? At the same time, this is the major leagues. And he's at the plate. And it's there. And he hits it out. I I, I don't know how upset one could be at that. It's a home run. It's the best possible outcome of any given at bat. 
it's fun. Like I, I, I mean, I do understand. I can, I can get why some people might not love it. It's like at the end of a basketball game, if it's out of, you know, out of hand, and somebody steals the ball and runs down, and tomahawk dunks it on the other end. That might be seen as showing off, uh, or a football game like you're up fifty points and you're you're running up the score and dancing in the end zone every time you run up the score. I get it, but it's not a big deal, and I think most fans nowadays would be in favor of it. I mean, you want to see that fun, you want to see that spirit, you want to see that exuberance around baseball regardless regardless of whether or not you approve of him hitting a home run in that situation there is no universe I don't care what you think of that where throwing at him is the acceptable response to that there's no universe and that has been always the thing that probably rubs me the wrong way more than anything else in that sport is where people think that somehow that's equivalent. Somehow the proper response to somebody doing something you don't like at the plate, something fun, hitting a home run, is to hurl a hard object at them. That's insane. It makes no sense. There is no rationale that can defend it. You just can't. Yeah, I see a lot of the same defenses for that as I do fighting in hockey. You know, it's always one of two things. It's, that's just the way it is, which is never a good reason to explain anything. Because a lot of, you know, this is not like on a grand scale of atrocities or anything. But a lot of of atrocities have been defended by people saying that's just the way it is or was. So that's just, so what? That's the way it is. That doesn't mean it should continue. And then two, like, they're policing themselves. Which also doesn't make sense. You know, like when, when the Rangers and Capitals fought after that whole thing where they, they thought the suspension or, or the punishment was too light, it didn't police anything, it didn't change anything, didn't increase the suspension, didn't solve anything. It was just a way to get out some feelings. And that's the same thing that happens with throwing at a guy in baseball. It's just like, I don't like this, I'm going to get this feelings out. It's like a little child. It's like a child who doesn't like the way someone's, I don't like the way you're playing, so I'm going to punch you. That's what it is. It's uh, essentially the softest thing one can do. Throw a baseball at somebody from the mound when they're just standing there. So that's in and of itself, you know, an issue. And then on top of that, when you have the manager of the team siding with that stupid unwritten rule over his own team, I mean, that's bonkers. Even if Tony La Russa, you know, is old school and didn't like what Mercedes did. Even if he was critical of him as he was at first, I guess I could see that. Though I, I think he sounded ridiculous. But when he, the next day, doubles down on it after the Twins throw at his own player and says he has no problem with the way the Twins handle that, that's when it goes to another level. Because even if you disagree with what Mercedes did... As the manager, you cannot side with the team throwing a ball at your own player. And you saw the reaction from the White Sox. I mean, Tim Anderson, you know, said, uh, 
do keep doing you to Mercedes on on Instagram. A couple other players have spoken out about it. And that is the kind of thing that makes you just question whether he can even keep the job. Forget anything else. And it's the kind of thing that makes people bring up Tony LaRusso's own lack of judgment. You know, Tony LaRusso's had some issues away from baseball. And then, speaking of baseball, he didn't know the rules that were written down recently. But those unwritten ones he knew. And you know what he wound up doing is making himself the story. And I'd have to imagine, in the baseball culture that he seems to love so much, making himself the story is not great. Though I'd have to check the unwritten rules to make sure. (laughs) What do you make of Tony La Russa siding with the unwritten rules over his own player? 855-212-4227. At Robin Lundberg on Twitter. Let's go uh, to John in Alabama. John. You're up on CBS Sports Radio. Good morning, Robin. How are you today, bud? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, man. Uh, I want to start out by uh, – I, I want to hit a couple points, but uh, the gentleman that you had on from New York, I, I got to say that stories like that is what makes sports great. When you can find positivity out of literally the darkest situation in life, I mean, that's just powerful. And as somebody who doesn't have an NBA team, I'll be rooting for the Knicks through the course of the playoffs. You know, just because that 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 family needs that, and and that's I, I truly believe at its core is what makes sports great. Um, but but to go to go on and, and talk a little bit more about the Knicks, I, I've got a question for you, and then I've got one quick Tebow point. But um, you know, with with the resurgence of Derrick Rose and the way he's playing right now, uh, I, I'd be curious on your take: is, is he playing himself? into a Hall of Fame career? Because I look at him like a Terrell Davis in the NFL, where, you know, Terrell had the horrible injury that cut his career short. And although Rose is extending his career, you know, his career was essentially cut short by the horrific injuries that he dealt with. Um, you know, but as arguably the one of the best players in the league in a moment in time, and then the way that he's had this resurgence, is he playing himself into a Hall of Fame career? You know, it's an interesting point because he would have been, I think, maybe the first MVP to not make the Hall of Fame. Because, to be honest, I would have said he, he he doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. But he's having a fascinating chapter of his career. It's not quite what Vince Carter did. Like, Vince Carter's a little different because Vince Carter, you know, was a star who turned himself into a, a, a role player, an expert role player. Yeah. It may be more similar to Grant Hill, who was a, a, a star player, dealt with injuries, and, and then, you know – found his his niche later in his career but he may be you know if he can keep this up for a, a couple more years yeah because Derrick Rose has been very good for the for the Knicks not just good he's been very good for the Knicks and, and there was a couple years back where I wasn't sure he was an NBA player anymore to be quite yeah. frank and it, now it sure he, felt that way yeah now he clearly is and, and he's a contributing player for a team that succeeded expectations so if he does wind up getting into the Hall of Fame I I think you would have to credit um, this uh, latter stages of his career for being the, the, the push, if you will. Well, and, and, and if you'll just give me a, a tiny bit of rope, because I get the impression that you're just as sick and tired of talking about Tim Tebow as I am, and I understand the irony that I'm talking about him on a national radio show, um, you know, when I, after making that statement. But, um, you know, the one thing that, I, that 
he's been around for three weeks, and I'm already tired of talking about him. Think, great guy, nothing wrong with him. I just I, I don't care. But the one thing that I think people are missing outside of the point of, you know, the, the, the Jaguars are the one franchise that you can look at that says they really need to sell tickets. They're the ones that you think of with the tarps over the, over the stands, and, you know, they, they need to get people in. But, and maybe the point has been out there, and like I said, I'm just so sick and tired of hearing about it that I just haven't heard it. But, you know, the Khan family are the first family and over or, or, the, or the first promotion in over 20 years to go up against Vince McMahon from a professional wrestling standpoint. They understand storytelling. They understand promotion and hype. And mm-hmm. I, I truly think that factors into the Tebow thing. Yes, it takes the, some of the, 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 the stress off of Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, if, hey, if he pans out, great. If he doesn't, no harm, no foul. It's like back in the old territory days when they bring somebody in to sell tickets and then, you know, he would be back on his way. I, that's the way that I see this. And tell me that I'm wrong on that. Now, you know what? I hadn't thought of that because I was thinking only of the Urban Meyer connection, but that's an interesting point. Uh, and, and thank you for the call. It's an interesting point because obviously what you're referencing is the Khan family um, AEW, which is the, the second biggest wrestling promotion, I guess, in the world now uh, behind the, the WWE and the, the first one that's sort of made any headway and in trying to challenge them since WCW back in the Monday Night Wars days. So, and, and when you say uh, the, the wrestling territory thing, you know, like Andre the Giant, for instance, before wrestling was big and mainstream across the, the, the country – Nationally, like WWE, he would show up in one wrestling faction and, and it would be a big thing and then move on to the next. And maybe that is part of what they're doing with Tebow to squeeze a little juice out of that promotion. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. It is the Robin Lundberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.